0: I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan podcast. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Fred Ferris. Fred is the host of the Plant Your Seed podcast. We had the opportunity to connect, I think maybe two weeks ago, um, where I was a guest on his show, and I thought he had an incredible story, so I wanted to bring him on and uh, talk about his journey, his transition to eating plant-based, what got him to start the podcast, and some of the cool lessons that he's learned from um, connecting with others. Uh, so, Fred, how are you doing today?
1: Fantastic, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Like we talked before we recorded, the roles are reversed. Now you get to relax, sit back, and then I get yeah. to ask all the questions. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, so I just I just want to start it off with like, What was your uh, initial story when you transitioned to to eating more plant-based?
1: My initial story was I was, well, I was about 250, 260. I was unhealthy. I was turning 50. Um, I wasn't in a good place, right? I was at the place where a lot of people get to where they don't even want to step on a scale. And so I was at this point and I thought I was healthy. I thought I was doing well. I was eating uh, what I considered to be relatively healthy and clean. And then it just ended up that I felt terrible. I felt like crap. So um, when I was, I happened to be in Puerto Rico at the time and I started researching how I can feel better. And one of the things that came up was a plant-based diet, a whole food plant-based diet. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I looked at, I mean, I looked at all different diets. I wasn't looking to become vegan. I wasn't, I had no idea about what vegan really was. And so I'm just looking, trying to be healthier. And I found that, you know what? This was the diet for me. I looked through all the research. I, I saw forks over knives. I saw this thing called King corn. I think it was called, it was about uh, um, high fructose corn syrup. And all these other documentaries. And I had looked through everything and I found that this was the best for me. So what had happened was before, when I was a little kid, I was nine years old. My dad died. He died six months after getting out of bed, breaking a rib. And it was cancer. And I remember we were walking into the hospital and he says to me, It took me 54 years to get to a hospital. How long do you think it's going to take you? And I love that bravado. I love that machismo, I guess you'd call it. But looking back, you know, I, I just think, wow, I'm glad that I go to the hospital if something's wrong. I'm glad that I'm aware enough to make a change in my life because I didn't want my kids to go through that same heartache. That same thing where their dad dies. He's not there for them. When I was nine, back in the seventies, dating myself a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) but but there was no, there was no, there was only father and son stuff, right? There was no, you couldn't bring anybody that you wanted. It was father and son golf tournament, father and son camp out, all this stuff. I missed out on all of that. I wasn't allowed to go, so Mm. I didn't want that kind of heartache for my kids, Not for me not to be around, not that they were going to go to a golf tournament or a camp out, but the feeling of that emptiness of not being there, and there's nothing like that. There's nothing for a child, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like not having that person in your life, not having them there at your wedding at your, you know, I don't know, when you have your first kid or whatever, whenever you need them in college, whatever, you just have to have that significant person in your life, your father, your mother, and they need to be there. And if it's just a simple diet change, just changing what I was eating, I was all in. I said, you know Mm -hmm. what? I'm going to do that. I'll do that for my kids. I will not let them down. So I changed, I changed to food, whole food plant-based diet that day, started eating like bananas and then then in peanut butter. And that was like my change, that's how I changed. And um, I haven't looked back since, and obviously you learn more and more and more about everything, it's a deep rabbit hole to go down. And I'm very happy with where I am right now. That's a beautiful
0: story. I have a lot of questions for you. Yeah, a lot, a, lot of
1: th- a lot of things in
0: there. And I was like, well, oh, that's so intriguing. Let's dive into that. So, first of all, I've I, I've watched a lot of documentaries. Um, and so I was surprised to hear King Korn. I've never heard of that one, but I'll definitely look into it. Um, yeah, if it, it's not on Netflix, I probably didn't see it, but I will
1: search for it <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it might not be around anymore. I don't know. <laughs> okay. It was back in 2013.
0: So okay. So I will I'll definitely look into that one. Um so like we we had a conversation on my podcast uh, on your podcast, like I've coached a lot of people through fat loss and through different health issues. So I'm curious, like everyone has this little pivotal moment where they make a choice, right? Because change in our life doesn't come from like a major event happening. It's not the actual event that changes us, it's us making a decision that something's going to change. And it takes like 0.5 seconds. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you're on like your, your early fifties um, when scared. you start to kind of like not feel that great. was there a correlation with the fact that like your dad passed away at 54 and you're kind of approaching that age? Oh, 100%. 100%. I had, um,
1: geez, I call it the, there's this wheelhouse or window between 45 and 55. It's like the heart attack window. And the reason I call it that is because I had friends in that quote window that I had one guy had a, Huge heart attack and died. I had one guy had a huge heart attack and lived. I had uh, my brother-in-law who was a black belt in karate, skinny guy, great-looking guy, healthy you would think, but he ate like McDonald's and he ate like um, deli meats and stuff like that, and he yeah. ended up in some kind of stomach cancer, and and then he he died, and it was it's one of those things where all of these things start lining up for you. And then you start realizing well, you start looking in the mirror and you're like, Well, what about me? What yeah. am I doing? And then I'm gonna be on that heart attack train just as everybody else. I mean, I was two 250, 260. I lost probably somewhere around 60 pounds. Right in and probably so quickly that people were asking me if I was sick. Do you got cancer? You got, are you sick? You okay? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. I just changed my diet. I feel great. And people just didn't understand. So that was, uh, that was the reasoning behind the choice.
0: Was there, was there any signs that you felt that were leading you to make that decision? Is the reason I'm asking, cause we have a lot of people listen to this podcast that are like already vegan. They're just looking to optimize but a lot mm-hmm. of people that want to transition, right? So they're kind of you when you were 50 and they're right. like, oh, I guess things are happening. And I'm like, wondering if this might be the path for me. Um, and usually people connect through stories that are similar to sure. theirs. And so I'm hoping that through you sharing this, someone will listen to this and be like, that's my moment where I make the decision. Yeah. Um, so what were kind of like the symptoms that you noticed that are like, okay, there's this happening in my body. There's friends passing away, heart attacks happening. Now I'm going to make this change. Like, what what were those
1: signs for you? One of the big signs that I think that people should look for, that I believe that people should look for, is I was on Prilosec, which is a stomach acid reducing pill, and I was yeah. going to the wholesale store and I was buying them by the box full. And you it was like t- Tums. They- no, they, well, no, they're actually uh, it's an inhibitor. An acid inhibitor that you take before your meal, so that acid that you're eating. Like I couldn't even eat, couldn't eat uh, tomato sauce. I couldn't eat anything like that. It would always come back. I would just, and then I'd have to take Tums, you know. So what I did was I would take this Prilosec, and it's an over-the-counter thing. You just go buy it. So I'd take the Prilosec, and then you know, this is what the doctor said. And he said that I had GERD, which is uh, esophageal mm, something or other. <laughs> it's been so long. I haven't, I don't yeah. even remember, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's a thing called GERD and you, the prescription is Prilosec. And I asked him, I said, so, okay, so I'll take this. And then when do I get off of that? And he's like, never. It's hmm. the type of thing when, when a doctor tells you never for you getting off a pill, That's when you got to change your life. That's when something's wrong. That's a big light bulb right there that you should be like, okay, this is not cool. Something is wrong here. I got to fix it. And so I was taking that Prilosec and next thing you know, I'm sitting there and, and that was one of the big things. I mean, it wasn't like I couldn't run around the block. It wasn't, you know, I was, I, again, I would say I was relatively healthy. I thought I was, but I wasn't. You know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you can tell people to make them make a change other than they just need to understand they either have to learn enough, they have to, um, they have to learn enough, they have to see enough, they have to be inspired enough or I don't know. Receive enough money? I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah, you have to want to live. You have to have a why to live. And you know, for me, it was my kids.
0: Yeah, um, I totally understand what you're saying because I always tell everyone if I could have a superpower, I think I said this on the podcast, right? It would be to make people have that like cancer moment, a heart attack moment, without actually having the consequences of it. Right. I think most people change because of pain. If Mm. there's no pain, there's there's no need to change, right? Um, And so there's multiple ways to self-create pain without having the consequences. And I think a powerful one is through sharing stories, which is why I really love the idea of your podcast. Um, Mm. Because if you can share your own story and someone's listening is relating to it, it was like, shit, Fred went through this, this, and this, and this could happen to me too. Then it's kind of like self-induced pain without actually having the consequences in their body. And then I can trigger people to kind of make some of those bigger changes um so i want to dive deeper into like where you're at before because i'm trying to self-create this pain for people listening that are like in a similar position as you yeah so you were healthy right like you're you, you thought you were healthy in the way that sure. you're eating in the way that you're living what did that look like back then
1: what did that look like as far as did i go to the gym did i stuff like that or yeah nutrition wise exercise wise I mean, I was probably, I wasn't eating a lot, you know, like some people like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I was overeating. No, I, I was eating like, I don't know, a, a piece of chicken for dinner with some mashed potatoes and some peas, you know, that, that type of thing. I was, you know, going every once in a while. I mean, I travel, so, and I travel for work. So sometimes I didn't eat the best, right? I had, uh, you know they what we used to call—I don't know if people call it this—but we call it the seafood diet. You know, seafood eat food, and there's yeah. a lot of that that happens uh, on the road when when I'm working. A lot of people they do a post-game meal and stuff like that. So people come out and it's a pizza, and people have pizza at like midnight, and I'm always thinking now, like, how who eats pizza at midnight? Nobody. Like, if you're at home, you don't eat pizza at midnight and then go to bed nobody eats pizza at night. Only when uh, you're on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's what all these guys do. And I'm always like, you guys should probably stop doing the post game meal. And they're like, Oh, I never thought about it. And I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, there was that going on. I was, I wasn't exercising. I, I'm not a big exerciser. I'm not a big, uh, like you are a guy who goes to the gym and, and stuff like that. I chase uh, only time I run is if somebody's chasing me like, uh, you know, or going running after a ball or something like that. Like I'll play basketball all day or soccer or something like that, but, uh, lacrosse, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there was, I mean, for the most part, I felt relatively healthy and it wasn't like there was any major sign that came up besides mm-hmm. that I was turning 50 and I started looking down that road, seeing where my dad had died at 54 from cancer. And then you start thinking, okay, is that, is that in me? You know, people always like, oh, my dad lived to, he's 150. I'm going to be fine. And you're like, no, it's 7%. Genetics is for 7%. You didn't live the same life that your dad lived. You didn't eat the same things your dad ate, especially for our generation. The former generation ate a lot of vegetables. They ate they barely ate meat They eat meat on sundays they didn't go to the supermarket there weren't supermarkets until like 1950 so yeah that that generation doesn't that's not the same experience that you have
0: yeah so coming from that, because the big part is like you were living like a normal person like from what you share there's nothing crazy that you're like i was eating a mcdonald's three times a day and i wasn't exercising you're training like an athlete, right? You're playing different sports, you're being athletic, you're actually, and, and you're eating somewhat healthy food
1: and, and still you're in a physical, you know? So my yeah. job is physical. So it's not like I'm sitting in an office, just getting fat, just waiting around, you know, um, you know, for retirement, you know, it's not like that.
0: Yeah. So for the people listening, what did you do for a career? Cause you mentioned travel
1: a lot, very physical work. Yeah. I'm a audio engineer. And, uh, nine time Emmy award winning audio engineer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what that entails is basically, um, if you are listening to sports, I do the world series of super bowl, um, any major sporting event, uh, as well as some local events and here in Boston. And, um, so what we do is put out all the microphones for all of the people to be able to hear all the sounds. So everything that you hear is everything that I do. I put out all the microphones, goes back into the truck, and the mixer decides how much of each microphone that you're going to hear. So whether it's the announcers, whether it's the crack of the bat, whatever it is, that's what I do.
0: That's crazy. How do you hear the crack of the bat?
1: Crack of the bat? We put microphones right uh, by the plate. Okay. Okay. uh, you pick up the bat, the crack of the bat. You can, we could. They MLB Major League Baseball lets us bury mics if we want uh, anywhere within reason. And then, uh, but for the back cracks, we usually use uh parab mics, and they're right, uh, right behind the, right out of the camera view as you're looking at home plate.
0: Okay, just I don't want to get too off track, but I was finding that stuff <laughs> interesting. I was like, how do you get that sound? Uh, uh, So, so yeah, really, really busy work, really physical. And still you found yourself in a position where you had to take those, um, things to help you with digestion and acidity Mm -hmm. before. And then you transitioned to plant-based, you said you did a lot of research into different types of diet. Um, were you looking into like paleo, keto and whole food plant-based or were you looking specifically in the plant-based world because there's like raw vegan, there's raw till four, there's, there's different versions of eating plant-based.
1: No, I, I was looking more. I don't even think keto was around back then. Um, Probably Atkins. Yeah, right. Thanks. <laughs> the the yeah. OG version uh, of keto. <laughs> it was Atkins. There was Weight Watchers. There was I yeah. don't know. But I was just looking. I mean, what I was doing at the time was kind of clean eating. That's what I thought of it as. I I would only have like sugar, say, as opposed to chemical sugar because I just felt like the body could naturally break down, um, normal, natural things as opposed to chemicals. So I would be eating, you know, uh, organic chicken, <laughs> grass fed, whatever. Um, but I, I had given up, I had given up beef a long time ago. Um, it was, I probably hadn't had, I was just eating chicken and fish for probably 20 years before I went vegan um, because I just decided that all the steroids and everything they put into the beef, I read a bunch of stuff about that and I was like, oh, I don't want any of that. So I I tried um macrobiotic diet one time, long time ago, and I was like, yeah. this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever tried that, but that is a tough. I diet. heard of it. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at. I was basically just trying to find a better way to eat, and it wasn't. Yeah. That's what I mean. I wasn't looking for. Oh, I, I'm definitely going to find. Uh, you know, a vegan diet or a plant based diet or whatever. I had no idea what a plant based diet is. And back in 2013, when I first came back from Puerto Rico. And I started telling people, oh, I'm plant-based. And they're like, what? What does that mean? And I was like, uh, I'm vegan. And they're like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. no one knew what it was back then. And that's one of the great things. It's taken such huge strides since that time in the last 10 years that people are at least aware of it. And a lot of other countries have a lot of options, but we have some options now too. So that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. So you've been vegan for ne- for. 10 years now yeah so i transitioned nine years ago so i have an idea of what era you were in for Mm -hmm. like transitioning like the only treats you had i don't remember those but it was like tofu that was flavored with like banana or strawberry like that was the that was the only dessert i could ever find as a vegan everything else was like
1: i it took me two years to learn that oreos were vegan yeah see that was that was see in the beginning i didn't want any of that I didn't want any of that stuff. Um, I just became slowly became a junk food vegan. <laughs> I, As more options came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As more options come out, I get lazier and lazier. You couldn't do uh, that when you transition. You have no. to do whole food because that's all was available. I mean, I came home and my wife was hundred percent on board. So we went through everything in the closet because again, her her brother had just passed because of this. Uh probably eating McDonald's and deli meats. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was totally on board. We took everything. We went basically every oil, everything out of the house. We just either donated it or threw it out. And um, so it was instant for our our entire family. And, you know, the kids had some rough spots here and there. But, uh, you know, once we started understanding better what to cook. They started eating better and understanding it. And so now they're, uh, they're vegan. I would say 90% they're definitely vegan in the house, but if they go out to a party, a birthday party and somebody has a cupcake, they're not going to go, Oh, is that cupcake vegan? Cause you know, it's hard enough being a kid without trying to enforce all these rules on them. So we yeah, try to be, relatively easy on them yeah well 90 percent is awesome
0: significant difference right on on their on their health and where it's going to lead them in the future
1: yeah Um, they uh they might even be more than that because they eat vegan all the time except in that like one or two instances so
0: yeah how was that transition for you and your wife like did she notice any differences as well
1: uh yeah yeah she uh she wasn't as unhealthy as I was. And I think that for the most part, it was, it's that clarity, right? Um, that you just can't explain to people unless they've gone through it. There's a certain feeling that you just feel lighter and faster mentally and physically that you just, it feels like your body is working the way it's supposed to be working. And I think that that, that was the big thing for both of us.
0: What did you attribute that to? Like, was it, um, was it like cutting out the dairy? Was it removing the chicken? Like, what, what do you think helped with that, that clarity?
1: Well, I would probably say it was just everything, you know, getting rid of everything. Cause we get, we stopped taking that Prilosec like instantly. I oh, mean, goodness. it was, it, we stopped taking that acid inhibitor like the first day Yeah. and we didn't, and we didn't have any problems. We would eat spaghetti sauce. And previously it'd be something that came back, you know, it was something that bothered us and we had to take tums, and then you had uncomfortable sleep and all of that. So, you know, it was, it was definitely one of those things that I felt, uh, just so much better by doing it. It's, and of course then you get to the point where like you want to tell everybody, and everyone it, has that face. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you want to tell everybody, Hey, listen, come here. You got to try this. This is the greatest thing ever. And people yeah. look at you like you got two Come heads. to my house. I have a presentation to show you <laughs> Amboy style. <laughs> exactly. It's, it was just, it was crazy, but I mean, like, that's what you go through. Cause you want to help your friends, you know? And, and luckily for me, I had a friend who was kind of like that. He had, seen forks over knives and that's why that was on my radar the whole food mm-hmm. plant-based thing would have never been on my radar if it wasn't for my friend so big shout out to him so what were the resources that kind of helped educate
0: you besides forks over knife? Oof um
1: i'm trying to think uh we used to use all these the big thing was is i i think that the big thing on the transition is always the uh is the cooking, right? So you have to have good cookbooks. If you don't have something to make that you think is halfway decent, you're not going to stay with it. So like some of the cookbooks, we had the forks over knives cookbook. Um, There's a thing, there used to be thing called 30 minute vegan, which was another, it's 30 minutes to cook everything in the cookbook, you know? And so that was really good. There's a great French toast recipe in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> just in case anybody's wondering. Um, but uh, yeah, he says cookbooks and stuff like that with pancakes and being able to make pancakes, you know, that's the thing. If you can make the same things that you used to make, like right now we, we make muffins and we make uh, waffles and we make pancakes and we make cookies and we make everything that everybody eats. Normally yeah. we just veganized everything. So You know, we can, we definitely, you can definitely do that easily. Once you have an idea of how to, how to cook, like making a flax egg, right? A flags is, is something that you have no idea about unless you've done it, right? It's just a couple of flax seeds and some water and you stir it around. It becomes kind of a slurry and you pour it into your muffin or whatever and, binding. That's all it is. Just need, you just need a binder and that'll hold it together like applesauce or bananas or whatever. So it's just a matter of figuring out the, the best way for you to cook. Cause once you can cook, then you can, I mean, there's so many things people are like, Oh, I, I don't know where I'd start. I don't know what's vegan. I said, well, how about an apple? That's vegan. How about peanut butter? That's vegan. How about marinara sauce? That's vegan. You can try it but one of the big things that I think that people, what they really should do or what they really might want to do is just pay attention to what you eat. Be conscious of what you're putting in your mouth just for a week. Just see what you're eating and understand, okay, so this is going into my body, whatever it is, because you are what you eat on a, on a microscopic level. You are what you eat. It goes into your body becomes your cells and that becomes who you are. So if you're ingesting all this, all this meat, all this torture and terror that these animals go through, and that's, that comes into your body, whether you believe it or not, it's true. It's energy and that energy can't be created nor destroyed.
0: Yeah. I I like the combination of the two things you said, like bringing awareness to to what you're consuming, um, but also I think watching like the documentaries that you talked about, because I think the educational part would serve a lot of people. Because like you said before, you're eating like organic grass fed chicken, which is healthy, but unless you know what it does to your body, then it makes it challenging to see it as like an unhealthy food. Um, Right. Yeah, and I agree with you. The energy does get stuck, and a lot of people don't talk about that, right? Like, how do you think the cow feels before it's about to get shot in the head, before it gets killed? It's fear, and it's just like, it just takes in the muscle, it stays in the meat, and then right. people wonder why they get sick.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, you got to remember that they're in a line. Imagine if you're sitting there watching the guy in front of you get shot. You know, Pretty nervous. 15, 15 people in front of you. You're going to be yeah. terrified by the time that gun gets to your head. Yeah and then you're sitting there and you're like oh my god this is terrible yeah. and when you realize that that being is a sentient being no different than us and you're then you're at the point that we're at i guess where you're, yeah. you're just, you you don't want that you don't want to put that in your body you don't you don't want that fear and and torture and that energy in your body
0: and i, I think there's like I divide the world in two types of people. A lot of people say like, well, it's natural to eat cows or chicken or all of these things. Um, I think there's hunters and then there's the rest of the world, right? So what I tend to say to people is like, I'm gonna give you a gun or a knife and you go kill this animal and you strip it down and then you're able to cook it. 99% of people would never be able to like do that. They'll never be able to do the action, nonetheless, like cut out the meat. And like, I grew up a farmer. I did that. I was younger yep. and I was just kind of like a part of the farming culture. But for right. most people to never be able to do that, if you're a hunter, then it's about like looking at the health aspect of it, right? Versus cause they can do it. It's just <laughs> making them realize that there's health consequences to it.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, and I believe that a lot of people just don't think about it when they go to the store, they just go and get a package of meat wrapped in plastic and that's yeah. what they've always been taught to do, always been told to do. So that's what they do. And you you have to remember that disease doesn't run in families. Diets run in families. And that's mm-hmm. the big thing is that if you, like for me, okay, cancer runs in my family technically, right? Okay, well, I don't eat. Uh, my family's Irish, so I, I don't eat meat and potatoes, okay? My dad also smoked. Okay, so if I were to smoke, then I would get cancer. Okay, so if you were to eat poorly, you're gonna get the same diseases that your family got. Whether like my dad, he had type two diabetes. I could, I was on that train. The type two, I was pre-type two diabetes. Yeah, and it was a matter of time. I mean, I was again, I was like two sixty, and I ended yeah. up six three, but still 260 you're you're getting up there and
0: yeah it, that's we're the same height um yeah. so i i can imagine how big that is 260 yeah that would be crazy to carry all that weight around
1: yeah and then you start to think about what's that like on your joints you know what i mean how does how yeah. do your knees feel especially if you're if you have to run even a jog all that weight just bouncing on those knees and on that on your feet yeah it's it, it's something that you should that I took into consideration and I just realized that you know I, I had to change, I had to do something.
0: So how was that transition for you? Right? So you mentioned you did your research, whole food plant bases were connected, and I think you mentioned a few things like bananas and peanut butter. But mm. how, how how was that that first week and how did that kind of evolve for you as you kind of learned
1: these new skills? Um, let's see, that first week was rough. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it was, it was rough. I, I remember because there's one thing that you have to understand is that once you aren't allowed to eat certain foods, whatever it is, you start to own food, food doesn't own you. Okay. So you look at food differently you feel differently when food's around you. You don't Mm. feel like you have to eat. You feel like you eat when you're hungry, which is a totally different feeling. Like I always think of it as I own food, food doesn't own me. And in that instance, that's what happens, that you don't feel like you have to eat. Every once in a while, I'll fast for a couple of days or a week just so that I can, in my brain, I like to clean out my body. I don't know what your feeling is on fasting, but- um, Show the
0: body who's the boss.
1: What's that? Show the body who's the boss. I don't need food. (laughs) Well, it's just that once you get past, well, I always think of it as cleaning out your body, right? I think of it as um, the first day is easy. The second and third days is all these toxins that are built up in your body and they get tossed into your bloodstream, whether it's caffeine or whatever. And that that'll give you a headache. Maybe if, if you are very dependent on caffeine and some other things, but after day three, it's easy. I mean, I, it's not like I do this. I probably do this once a year. Um, and it's probably a seven day fast that I'll go on just to, just to reset my body. No other reason not to lose weight or anything like that, but I just feel it's it's a good thing for your body. I know that somebody told me one time that fasting is mentioned, I don't know, like 70 times in the Bible. So yeah. you're religious, maybe that maybe that helps you too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate fasting when it's done for the right reasons. So like to, my book, that's the right reasons, right? A lot of people will use them to like lose weight which is unsustainable because then once you eat food, which you will have to at one point put the weight back on. So if it's for a process of cleansing, like orthophagy is really powerful and you do have to do it long enough to see the benefits of it. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, the intention behind the action, I think justifies if it's a good, if it serves you or if it doesn't.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think that if you use it as a tool in the toolbox, then, it's, then it can be a very valuable tool. But you, you can't use it every day. I, I yeah. don't believe it. <laughs> But some uh. people do. Some people do. But, you know, and another thing that people might want to think about is the fact that you shouldn't be eating after 8 o'clock at night. Right? So if you eat dinner at 6, 7, okay, don't eat again. And then when you wake up, you break your fast, hence breakfast, right? You Mm -hmm. break your fast and you have something to eat and you've already gone about 12 hours. If you sleep, you know, if you go to eight to eight, you've already gone about 12 hours. That's good for your body to stop eating and stop digesting. It needs to rest. And sometimes people don't give it enough rest. Sleep's important. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. They recommend you stop eating two, three hours before bedtime because your body can't digest and recover at the same time. And digestion is always going to win because you can't let food undigested in your stomach for especially for that long of a period of time. And that's why when you eat really close to bedtime. Most people wake up feeling groggy and tired because they just didn't have enough time to to recover properly.
1: Yeah, Uh, that, that sounds about right.
0: that that, i i've been in this field for a long time just as you have so um so i'm curious like you mentioned you you gained some clarity when you transition was -hmm. there any other changes that you've noticed was there like obviously for for your your gut health right because you stopped taking the medication that was one of them as well
1: yeah because uh as we know uh there's acids and there's alkaline and that's Mm -hmm. getting thrown into your stomach and and if you're eating all alkaline which is what a plant-based diet is, then you're not going to need to have that acid as much and therefore to break down the food. So therefore the acid inhibitor that I needed to break down that protein, I don't need it anymore. So that, that was my thought on the microbiome in my, in my gut was that because I was eating alkaline foods, it was better for my digestion and therefore it was easier for my body to to break down
0: um if you were to go back and retransition again mm. what are things that you would do differently because i agree with you my first 2 months were rough <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a rough transition so now having been vegan for 10 years having more knowledge and more experience like how would you do things differently if um, also, for someone listening that wants to transition,
1: well, I I feel now it's so much easier, so much easier than it was back then. Um, I think that the best way to transition, beside besides the way I do it, the way I did it, and the way you did it, um, I, I'm a big fan of just cutting it off and just saying that's it. But I know that a lot of people can't do that. They, they they just won't do it because it's not sustainable for them. So if, if you just big learning curve. Yeah. So if you're, if you're just going to do, if you're going to transition, I think the first step is to be aware of what you're eating. I would say the first week, write down what you're eating. So you know what you're eating, what you're putting in your body. Okay. Then you take the little baby steps, right? You, you go, meatless Monday. Okay. All Monday, you don't eat any meat. If you look at what most people eat, they have bacon and eggs for breakfast. They have a turkey sandwich for lunch. They have a hamburger for dinner or steak or whatever. You're eating three meals of meat. Mm -hmm. That's not good for anyone. That's everybody's like, Oh, everything in moderation. Yeah. Well, everything in moderation means meat in moderation, not, Oh, I had chicken. Then I had fish. Then I had Steak. Okay. A lot of meat per day. Right. And most people on the standard American diet, the sad diet, that's what they eat. So I would suggest writing down what you eat, then slowly transitioning with like meatless Monday. So now you, every Monday, you have no meat at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have, you wake up, maybe have avocado toast as something I didn't know I loved. Uh, you have, yeah, it is It's so good. Throw a little red pepper flakes on there, some tomato, a little yeah. salt, pepper, maybe a little greens. It's sort of good. Um, yeah. and then, I mean, for lunch, you can have a peanut butter sandwich for dinner. You can have marinara and spaghetti. It's, I mean, and that's just basic, not even getting a cookbook and figuring stuff out. So all you have to do is look at some of the cookbooks that you have and look at the vegetarian options and cook that. So mm-hmm. then, Now you got one of the days down. So maybe you you start adding to those days. And the more that you add, you start kind of understanding, writing down any way you want to log it, journal it, understanding how you're feeling during those days. How do I feel? How's my body responding? And then when you make that transition all the way, like, I don't know if... As much as I enjoy and like the processed meat, the Beyond Burgers, the Impossible Burgers, stuff like that, I mean, that's great to transition to. You can start eating those as well. But health-wise, I don't know if they're any better than any other processed food for you. I think that you stay to the, the vegetables and the fruits fruit, vegetable, and water. We all know that's the winning combination. Everybody knows it, but nobody wants to eat it. I don't know. I don't understand. If you ask anybody, they are always like, you're like, oh yeah, fruit and vegetables and water, they're all good, right? And they're like, yep. Why don't we eat more? No one knows. No one knows because you just don't know.
0: Which is interesting. I think most people know what to do. They just don't do it. Whether it's like cultural belief, or how they were brought up
1: mm-hmm. but
0: fundamentally because this happened a few times to people around me they are like big meat eaters and then they get sick and they're like well i'm gonna go i'm gonna eat a vegetable stew i'm gonna get some juices can some juices i'm go go, so your when staff. you're sick and you want to feel better you'll eat vegan but then right. as soon as you feel better you go back to eating burgers and chicken nuggets and shit like that i'm like yeah. if if that's what you're eating to feel better imagine if you felt better and you eat this way you would feel like superman or superwoman exactly
1: and that and that's what i i guess that's what one of those things that we just don't understand being vegan is why wouldn't you do that it doesn't make sense because you're like what is it about meat or whatever it is that you're eating that you feel so inclined to eat or so comfortable eating and it, and it comes down to habits and taste and that's what it comes down to what what would you prefer to eat um yeah this is this is got a this Coke has a lot of sugar in it I would love that sure but it's not good for you everybody knows that soda isn't good for you it's like yeah c- cigarettes aren't good for you either you know you're not gonna sit there and smoke three packs a day everybody knows that's bad for you Same with soda. It's not good for you. So why would you put that in your body? It's something that once you start to look at, and that's why I'm a big proponent of writing it down and understanding what you're putting in your body and how you feel that day. Because if you write it down, you understand how you feel that day. Then you start to understand why people eat the way they eat and feel better.
0: Yeah. I have one last question for you before we go into the podcast conversation. Because I want to have uh, some time to talk about that. Um, we didn't talk about protein, which is such a big topic when it comes to transitioning. So how did you how did you handle that aspect of like before you're seemingly eating enough protein, if you will, from what you were eating, but now you transition to eating plant based? Was that a concern at all? Or just like, no, I'm just trusting that I'm eating plant based and everything will be taken care of?
1: I um I have this thing about protein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell me, Frank. <first. laughs>
1: My thing about protein is this everything has protein in it. You look at a box of, I don't know, whatever, whatever you got in front of you right now, chips, a uh, box of whatever, it has protein in it. Might it be one gram, it might be this or that, or the other thing. You're gonna get enough protein. You're gonna you're gonna replace, I don't know meat with tofu i mean asian cooking has tons of tofu um then you have uh thai food um all of these different countries have you know indian food is great food everywhere that has plenty of protein in it dolls have plenty of protein in them lentils great tofu tempeh there's just i never worry about it I just think that everything has protein in it. And when you start to research it and look at it, you realize everything does have protein in it. It's just a matter of getting all of it in the right place. I don't sit there and go, oh, I'm gonna have quinoa today, and I'm gonna have this, cause this completes this amino acid. And no, I'm not that type of guy. I'm just, my kids are like, my girls are, uh, one of them's 5'10". Okay. She's been vegan for like ever. Okay. So since she was little, so when people say, oh, well, they don't, they going to get enough protein. They're going to get stunted growth. I'm like, like the doctor was always like, I don't know if that's the uh, best thing for them, but they are on the high, on the high end of the growth chart and the low end of the, uh, the fat weight chart. And I'm like, well, what's the problem then? There isn't a problem. They're just kids. They're Eating the way that kids used to eat, so I don't know. That's my that's my theory on protein. I don't worry about it at all. Yeah, and you're still standing, and your
0: kids are still standing. You don't Can't need to believe worry about I'm it.
1: still living? Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I well, yeah, am. You're a
0: very vibrant person, and I, <laughs> I know people can pick that up through the audio if they're watching on on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, I, for the doctor thing, like I don't dive too much into that, but we get a lot of doctors that come to work with us like join our program to Mm -hmm. learn about whole food plant-based nutrition so that they can teach their patients Mm -hmm. um, because it's just not a part of their curriculum when they go to school right right? so you know you want to take advice i'll go to a mechanic if i want to learn how to fix my car i just won't go to a doctor if i want to learn about nutrition it's just everyone has their field of expertise
1: yeah i don't even know if nutritionists are that versed on a whole food plant-based diet some i'm sure are some have actually taken the time to, to research, but a lot of people just like doctors, they don't think it's that important. They think that, Oh, you're supposed to have this thing of protein, this vegetable, this milk. And they they go by that chart and that chart is just wrong. It's, it's a lobbying effort. It has nothing to do with health.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. There's there's definitely a, a, cut, a cultural standard when it comes to nutrition. And a lot of the initial certifications that were created were around that. But then there's more schools that are coming out, like a school of holistic nutrition, where they'll teach you about plant-based eating. There's a Cornell University as well, wow. right? There's a lot more courses that are coming out and more practitioners are taking those courses to be educated because they, as more studies come out, like it's undeniable that it's one of the best ways to eat. And so they're starting to be open to a, a different way of seeing nutrition and healing the body, which is awesome, right? right? We're entering a very interesting era when it comes to, to plant-based eating.
1: Right. The, the more people know, the better for the people. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not against, it. I just want people to learn and get the information. And once they get that information, they can do whatever they want. As long yeah. as they understand it. Okay. This is, this is better for your body. This is yeah. the way your body runs extremely efficiently and that's all you can do is tell them that and if they decide that's not what something I'm interested in then they're just not ready for it yet.
0: Yeah, so planting your seed and watering your seed which is a nice
1: transition to your
0: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about planting the seed. Yeah, so your podcast is basically planting your seed. So what made you want to step into that?
1: Well, When I was transitioning, I felt alone. I felt like nobody else was vegan. I felt like in a way ostracized and everybody looking at you and there was no community that I felt.
0: Especially like you were in a sports community as well, right?
1: Oh, I can't even tell you the whole amount of crap that you get from other people about being vegan or plant-based or soy boy or something like that. You Uh, know,
0: I, I went vegan when I was a bodybuilder. So all my friends were meathead bodybuilders. I get it.
1: (laughs) No, it's, it's the same thing. So, um, I felt alone and my background is audio. I used to have a, uh, college radio show. All these things, and and it lined up. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was like, "You know what? You should do a podcast." And you know this, she basically laid out to me. Wh- we had a conversation. She just pulled out a, basically a napkin and started writing stuff down, and was like, "Okay, so this is where everything intersects." Just happened to be that she was a branding expert, so <laughs> that kind of helped him in handy. Yeah, she was like, "Okay, this is where everything intersects," and this is what you do this is what you should be doing you you have this huge passion for plant-based eating you want to save the planet you have a great story about you know changing your life and by using a plant-based diet and you have a background in in radio and audio so why it all intersects right here so mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's a that's a great idea that's something you know some way that i can build community and get the message out so then you know, I decided that telling people stories was the the way to go.
0: And what what are the biggest lessons you've learned so far from the episodes that you've recorded? Because you had a wide variety of guests on.
1: Yeah. Um trying to think lessons. That's a good question.
0: Or common themes or pattern that you've noticed amongst people's stories.
1: I would say that uh one of the huge things that everybody talks about that is the dairy connection, whether it's how dairy creates acne. And as soon as they stop taking, stop drinking milk or stopped eating cheese or whatever, their skin cleared up. And they, Mm -hmm. they all had that clarity moment. There there's that clarity of not eating meat and then having your, your, uh, body seemed like it's efficient and you're clear now and you understand a lot more. And those are some of the big things that the connection to dairy to me is frightening because you start to talk to all these people. Um, we've had over a hundred episodes. So, um, you start to talk to all these people and you start to realize that there's this common theme with dairy and it's so bad for you. And everybody's like, oh yeah, I gave up dairy and, and uh, this happened or that happened. And then there's studies that show that there's a direct connection between breast cancer and dairy. And that to me is frightening. It's scary that, that no one is there to protect you. You think that the government or the, the agencies, the federal agencies, are there to protect you, but they're not. They're not there to protect you. They're maybe originally they were, but they take money from this study or that study, or it's the same. I think of it. Yeah, I think of it as the cigarette companies, right? They for years they were like, oh no, cigarettes are good for you, and eventually the truth comes out, and I think yeah. eventually the truth will come out. All the antibiotics that are put into meat all of the, uh, all of that stuff that they have to, the growth hormones, stuff like this, that they put into meat and dairy and all of this stuff. It's, it's just bad for you. It's not good for your body. It's changing the way people, you know, young people, uh, develop. So it's, it's yeah, not something faster. That, yeah. A the lot faster.
0: faster. I have, yeah. uh, cousins that are in school and they're like 15, 16, and they have pictures with the, their, their classmates. I'm like, man, these guys look like they're 30. And they're like right. 16, 17 years old. They're like really big, and have facial hair. And I'm like, it took me 30 years to get a little bit of scruff. They're 16, <laughs> they're already there.
1: I can't even grow any. <laughs> like 60, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's crazy. Everyone's just growing up so much faster. They look just so much bigger and older. Yeah.
1: The younger yeah years. I mean, especially, I mean, like you said, the facial hair. Um I can count like when I was a kid, there was like one kid that had facial hair. And he had like one long
0: hair. It was like
1: one (laughs) long. (laughs) It was some kind of spotty beard thing going, you know, but nobody, nobody was growing up like that. And now it's, and that to me is attributed to all the, all the milk and all the hormones and all the cheese. And that is me. One of the worst things out of all of the things Granted, you can meet ethically wrong and mm. spiritually, and <laughs> all sorts of ways it's wrong, but dairy is so evil. It's just yeah. one of those things that, especially when you start to understand where it comes from. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. To get cheese, you have to get something it's called rennet out of the fourth stomach of a cow or something like that and i'm like who was the first guy who who tried this you know what i mean was the first stomach no second stomach no third stomach oh the fourth stomach this is the way we got to do it i mean who these things i have no idea who the first person was who did this type of stuff but yeah Yeah. um i think that uh I think dairy is, is definitely one of those things that I've realized from coming, from talking to people that it is one of the most dangerous and frightening aspects of what we eat.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, we said, we talked about mental clarity earlier, the, that was the thing that when I cut dairy out, that's when mental clarity came out, right? Um, no, no fog, no congestion, nothing. Um, it's definitely one of the big ones. And you talk about who was the first one that discovered that it was the first stomach. I, mean, I was the guy that discovered that humans could drink milk. One weirdo somewhere. I was like, let me try to drink this thing. <laughs> See if it's good for us.
1: Some guy who was who was really uh maybe uh maybe not in the best situation he could have been in and he really needed something to drink, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh yeah. It's another animal's milk. It's just yeah strange.
0: Yeah. Um, so Fred, I, uh, honestly, a massive thank you for taking the time to, to jump on the podcast. I I appreciate your wisdom, your, your storytelling and all the insights from, you know, from before your journey throughout your transition and the piece of advice for people to implement. Um, is there any last words of wisdom you would like to share with the audience?
1: No, I don't, I don't really have any last words of wisdom besides. I just, I just think that people should try it. They, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying something and failing. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn. So try it. What do you got to lose? You try it for a week. Try it for two weeks. Just go whole food plant-based for two weeks. See how you feel. If you feel great, keep going. If you don't, stop. That's mm-hmm. okay, too. But I just feel that if you're in a position where you're interested in changing your diet than you should.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of great resources out there to accomplish that. Right. Oh, yeah.
1: Forks over knives, game changers. Game changers is one of the greatest. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's taken from a totally different angle of an athlete and recovery and stuff like that. And I mean, you could see these guys, Djokovic playing tennis. He just keeps winning. Yeah, to some extent playing football, he played late in his life. Just all of these guys, they they just recover quicker because of the because you don't have that inflammation.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, also for the people listening, I have probably thousands of recipes on my Instagram account, We free ebooks, free guides on how to create your own plant based meal plan. Like there's a lot of available resources out there for free that you can use to get started. Um, yeah, that would be, love the piece of advice and ultimately implementing it and giving it a shot, right? Without action, it's just an idea. And then ultimately you'll never get
1: to experience what the benefits
0: are for your own health.
1: Exactly. And if you are vegan and you're listening, I, I would definitely, and you want to, you want to look better. I would definitely check out Fit Vegan. I would totally check it out. I, I I look at it all the time and I'm like, uh-huh, maybe I should I should call him up. <laughs> I, Fred, We just had a. I just had. I just did a live with Patrick
0: before we recorded. Fifty three years young. Um, got a six pack for the first time in his life. Nice. Uh, Thor seventy one. Um, and Thor started to see his abs. Lost like thirty five pounds. Like it's doable. Oh, regardless it's doable. of doable,
1: and that's why. Yeah. That's why we say it's never too late to plant your seed. So you plant that seed, whether you're. 50 or whether you're 60 or whether you're 20 you plant that seed and the last thing that grows on a fruit tree is the fruit so that's the last thing that's going to happen and it's going to feel great you're going to feel so much better and if you can you know get to a point where you're comfortable eating plant-based and you want to look better definitely check out fit vegan (laughs) I totally you, would. Fred. I do, man. I, I see it all the time. I'm like, oh, those look at all those people. They're like normal people and they're losing weight and they're feeling great. And I'm like, wow, this is this is a really good idea and a really good thing that people
0: should check out. I appreciate that. Um, and for everyone listening, I'll put all of Fred's link to his podcast, his website, his social media in the channel. I recommend you go and check out his podcast i have some awesome guests and like we talked about right planting your seed watering the seed and the episodes are awesome so i'll link all of that below fred thank you very much for jumping on you the do. show and uh, i'm sure we're going to be we're going to stay in touch very soon
1: yeah definitely stay in touch my friend great to see okay. you
0: bye thank you for listening if you enjoyed the episode and would like to support please share it with others that would benefit from it. Share it on social media and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at Fit Vegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.